Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Greetings from uh, the West Coast this morning. I just want to tell you that if you travel and you don't have pre-TSA, right, you're making a big mistake. Pre-TSA gets you out of the line that takes you to steerage on the Titanic. People with chickens and goats and shit like that, suitcases with rope around them, and you get to, like, blow through. 85 bucks for five years. I'm telling you, it's a good investment in your own sanity, right? And so traveling yesterday, starting at, uh, 6.25 in the morning out of BWI, a breeze into Orange County at 10 o'clock. So anyway, um, I'm back on the West Coast in my studio, which makes me happy. Um, no no expeditionary operations this morning. Joining me from McAllen, Texas is Tim Lynch. Tim, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mac. And I have to add, I have flown on an airplane with chicken and goats. In, uh, in Afghanistan from point to point. How was it? Very routine. Very routine to move farm animals on the on the on some of those contractor flights. Was, uh, do farm animals fly, fly well? They're perfectly behaved. They seemed like pets. The, the chickens make a lot of noise, but they're chickens. They're just in the back anyway, so everybody's ignoring them. Oh, so it's not like people were holding them on their lap? Like in no, the, no. Like they had little the cages, Titanic. little cages for the chickens. Same way the Filipino Marines would, when they when we worked with them, when they brought their chow in. Those little cages like they, they made for their chickens. Got it. Because Filipino Marines don't go anywhere without chickens, apparently. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Will from uh, Greater Kansas City. How are you, Will? Good morning. Happy to be here. There you go. And then uh, Jeff Kenny, my uh, fellow Southern California. Are you still in Southern California? Are you, uh, in, your, are you in the uh, Eastern White House? Where are you? Yeah, I'm in the... Uh... I'm in the Western White House here near Nixon's property. I'm in San Clemente. I'll be here till Thursday, and I'll be back in Vegas. So I can do this. If we do anything then, I can use the uh, iPad, which is, you know, I can, well, I can I... be all hooked up and everything. All right. But yeah. And as far as flying with uh, that TSA thing, I do that. Even just to fly the 42 minutes to Vegas, I do that, Matt, because uh, it is a huge, it's a game changer. Well, and let me tell you, especially if you don't deal with stupidity well, right? Yeah, I'm sick of it. If you struggle with stupidity, and especially security at checkpoints, which I do, yeah. it, it, it it infuriates me. And um, and so you you show up, right? You check your bag, and you walk through. You don't have to take your shit off, and then you walk over to the gate. Think think of what the government has done to us, though. They took what was normal 25 years ago and made it unbearable. Now they make us pay them so that it's still Bear, stupid, bearable but it's not completely unbearable yeah you're right. you're right we are well trained what do you think the gross domestic product per nation is of the security apparatus installed at every port of entry post 9-11 i mean what, what is what does that number even look like around the world yeah, yeah crazy crazy but i will tell you this Given the imperfect state of the planet, as Will correctly points out, do yourself a favor, especially if you have anger issues. Pre-TSA, it's a form. I think you got to go 
what you have to go down and answer like two questions and then they give it to you yeah you, you gotta go to yeah you gotta go to like the um security part of the airport i went to the one in orange county yeah so so you know that's it that's it yeah that's what we did with colleen and then uh we colleen and i had pre-tsa we we flew with susan mike's wife and uh our oldest daughter Catherine, who did not so they were in the line with the chickens and the goats right at like you know 5:45 in the morning at bwi which was a long ass line colleen and i walk right to the front we blow through we're sitting at the gate la, 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 la. they come huffing up running right because we already started to get ready to board like jeez girls why are you sweating yeah. <laughs> my oldest daughter like i've never i've never run that fast through an airport in my life i'm like 85 bucks will alleviate that in the future but but no it saves a lot of anger the other thing i think not to stray too far aside from the topic this morning i think there's a business to be had when uh by of for former marines um to get people off planes quicker right and i've talked about this before right uh, as soon as the door gets open, boom, former gunny walks in. All right, everybody listen. All you tall guys, stand up right now, right? Get the bags for the little old ladies so they don't kill anybody. Put them in the aisle. All right, everybody, stand up. When I give the order to move, everybody moves. Got it? You'll have the plane unloaded in like, what, at least 97 seconds, right? Yeah. As long as nobody trips in the aisle. That madness of everybody gets up one by one, grabs their suitcase that they overpacked and almost kills somebody swinging it down makes me, it it sincerely pisses me off. So, anyway. Hey, you know, that used to be Southwest business model, part of it. What? They could turn airplanes at the gate faster, so they spent less time on the ground, so each airplane would fly more routes in a single day. So they had less capital investment to fly the same number of routes. That's a they good strategy. One of their things, and it got it sort of got crushed by everyone's requirement to have carry-on bags now, uh, and the fact that airports won't give them more landing slots, even though they could turn planes faster. And that's one COVID. of the ways they had a competitive advantage when they first started out. Well, you know, um, I just I didn't used to be a fan of Southwest. I thought they were overpriced, and but let me tell you, you're you're you have two pieces of luggage that fly for free and then if you're smart you take that 25 30 bucks that you save on your luggage and you invest it in what's called a pre-boarding or an automatic boarding thing where you wind up in with the a's and so with southwest because you board like steerage you know in on the titanic it's a it's a rush for festival seating if you're in the a's you're in the first you know, 10 rows of the airplane, if you want to be. And so you're on first, you're off first, and the whole thing's alleviated. It's like magical flying. So there's some travel recommendations from your friend, Mac. The, um, yeah, pre-TSA, fly southwest, and pay the 25 bucks to get automatic check-in. You're an A, so that means you're the first group. La, 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 happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Okay, uh, the president spoke. I didn't get a chance to watch it yesterday. I did it a little bit ago. Um, I'll just give you some things that he said. Any American, I don't he, I don't think, he didn't say anything new. My own opinion is um, the White House getting their asses kicked in the media 
because they can't answer hard questions. So the thought is, well, we have to fill the void. Let's fill it with the president more often, and that'll suck the, the, the air out of the news cycle and the criticism. It's really not going to, but it's interesting to watch or not. Um, any American who wants out will get out. Okay, Not any American cobble, anybody who wants out. We're evacuating them. We're evacuating our NATO allies, citizens. We're evacuating our Afghan partners. 28,000 evacuated last week, 33,000 right, um, 33, since July 1st. And then this was the most amusing, which I actually stifled the laugh, right? It would have been difficult no matter when we began this operation. And he waxed eloquent about that. It doesn't. It, so, folks, it didn't really matter when we started this. It would have been difficult no matter what. Joe? Mr. President, that is not true. That is factually incorrect, right? Processing centers have been set up around the world, in Gutter, in Germany, Spain, yada, yada, yada. We're taking people there. We are vetting them, uh, doing background checks on them, and then they will be processed to other places. They are not coming to, directly to the United States. Then he, then he spoke of the Civil Reserve Fleet. <clears throat> this is a throwback to the Berlin Airlift. Uh, and it's an optional thing that airlines can participate in and blah, 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 blah. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of news that came out of that. Uh, but, you know, their, uh, the White House attempt and the administration's attempt to get the president out there looking presidential because uh, the optics were not very good. And he at the center of the decisions as things leak out about what well, people told him not to do this. So anyway. All right. With that said, uh, Tim, the intel dump. Uh, greater Af- well, talk to us about Greater Afghanistan. Um, greater Afghanistan of interest has been the the uh, recapture of three districts in the Baglan province that is sits astride the uh, Kabul to Mazar Sharif Road and is significant because of that. It is also right next door to the Panjshir, where there are reports of fighting there. Also, um, I do not know how how serious or how widespread that that fighting is. In the rest of the country, okay, can, we've seen so uh, so just for everybody listening, you'll see a map attached to this, and we'll drop a pin in uh, in in where Tim, the area that Tim's talking about, so you right. can see where where this reporting came from. Um, um, we're t- since we're talking intel, um, can you uh, can you give an estimate of? Do you believe this report? I mean, it's reliability, oh, yeah. so it's oh, oh, oh absolutely, ab- got it. Ab- absolutely incredible. Credible reports and 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 reported in multiple uh, news outlets, which really doesn't mean anything. Doesn't but mean anything. It, it, it sounds like it could work. Got it. All right. Okay. In the uh, in in the rest of Afghanistan, there's been some rather harsh crackdowns on people in Jalalabad. Uh, after that, after the their one uh, uh, welcoming of the um, the the learning center that was built by uh, the Rotary Club, so that's rather discouraging. After Pakistan allowed, I believe, 30,000 people through the Charmin Gate down there in, uh, um, in Spin Boldak, and it is a madhouse of people leaving through uh, uh, into the Khyber Pass through the Torkham Gate, uh, though I don't know how many the Pakistanis are going to let through. There are reports of flatbed trucks hauling American equipment through Torkham, of course. That's no big surprise, off into Pakistan. And now we focus on Kabul, and all eyes are on Kabul. Um, 
Uh, first, I want to announce some good news. The uh, mother and her children that I had referenced earlier that uh, were from America, um, the two of the four children born in America, rather, they were Afghans who have immigrated years ago. They safely made it uh, into the airport last night after being guided in, and I'll talk more about this guided in stuff uh, in, a, in a minute. The optics right now, every report I saw mentioned Sunday as being the worst day yet. He saw numerous examples of people being holding, handing kids out, of Marines coming out and hydrating and watering down people, at least five deaths from the heat. And uh, remember that Kabul's way up there in elevation, so that sun is particularly fierce hitting your unprotected head and body. And uh, those optics, so, of course, since bad. this is an Intel update, I mean, you've forgotten yeah. to, you've forgotten to give the weather today at Kabul International. What is it? How hot is it? Any idea? Uh, well, or do yeah, you want me? You, you continue. You continue, and I will find the weather today. No, no, I have it right here on my phone uh, right now. That's so it's eighty-four degrees, and it looks like it's going to get up into the nineties um, today. Sunset at six thirty-one p.m. in Kabul time. All right. So what's so, the what's the high today in, at Kabul? The, the, the high today, right now, it's eighty-four degrees. The high is ninety-one. Okay. If you're going to be a weatherman, there's a pattern to that, right? High right. today is this. Low today is this. Humidity, none. Not according. I have no idea, but I tell you right now from experience, there's zero humidity up there. That's what zero. We, that's what we're looking for. All right. That's the right. weather brought to you by nobody. Here on uh, All Marine Radio with Tim Lynch's Intel update. Now, I mean, I mean, the, the Intel update contains weather, just for the future reference. You, you, you know, you're you're absolutely correct, and I should have been admonished about this a long time ago. I've been I slacking. I know. So I know. Uh, there's your weather update. Um, the optics of about the estimated crowd over the hundred thousand slammed in on that gate. One firefight, uh, apparently between our forces and with Afghan security forces against the Taliban. If you look at the reporting on this incident, you'll see uniformed Afghan forces who were probably the guys that Mac and I uh, commented on a few days ago when they were tweeted about these guys, who apparently seem to be interfacing between us and the Taliban. And and I guess we're going to pull those guys out when we go. I I don't know why they would do that, but they're uniformed Afghan security forces who apparently are out of cordon and that firefight, one of them was killed. Two of them were hit. No injuries to, to uh, any Marines. Uh, apparently, was not a long duration event. Now, yeah, can you like can you def- can you help us get our hands around the quote unquote firefight? Bigger than a bread basket, right? Smaller than a jug of wine. Okay, uh, according uh, according to um, social media, Marine social media, this was precipitated by armed guys trying to get over the uh, wall in a place where we didn't have guys standing, but we had people looking. They engaged and, and, and dropped these guys. Their, their compatriots fired on the Afghan security forces who were outside the wall. And this is my understanding. This is a five-minute event of, of, of two infiltrators getting taken out and, and his comrades uh, suppressing fire and running like hell. Got it. All right. That, right. That's right. the best. That that is social media reporting. Okay. Take it for what it's right. worth. Got it. Got Sounds it. Got about it. right. But, but swirling in this mix are the Taliban, is ISIS, right? And so wait, again, one, wait, no, no. Wait, I'm, wait. I'm just saying that, that what you yeah. hear floating these things floating around the airport. So when you say there's a firefight, you know, I think it's important. And you know, Tim reporting what we know. That, that this is, to the best of our knowledge, this is what we're reading in more than one 
um, more than one whatever tweet or element of information has said these things. So to the best of our knowledge, this right. is the, this is the way it looks. So it did not include the Taliban and it did not include ISIS. Um, so anyway. Now, now I, there's a lot of reporting about the ISIS was let out of the jails and they're going to be a threat too. the Taliban and ISIS have been fighting each other bitterly for five years now. And, and, and our last act is we're withdrawing from the Kunar province was to support the Taliban with drone strikes when they went after ISIS, which was in the Korngal of all places. So I don't, there's a lot of reporting about there's ISIS terrorists floating around. I, I don't believe they're going to have any freedom of action whatsoever under the Taliban. They are not friends. Got okay, it. so now going back to the intel update, we've talked about the chaos. It's time to talk about Operation Dumb Kirk which is getting a lot of press right now. The Dunkirk handle is focused around the no one left behind NGO and uh, and their uh, their CEO I'm blanking on his name I'm sorry but um, this it's it is a an effort by all kinds of former people to help any way they can and so the maps I I I, I showed you are Dunkirk maps that are specific as to navigating into the airport they are going out and taking specific people and guiding them into the airport in coordination with somebody on the ground, obviously. Now, despite all this good news and the fact that we seem to have a, certainly an increase of, of U.S. sits, as we came on the air right now, one of my Afghan SIV applicants who's outside the Black Gate messaged me, said, they're, they're, they're shooting out here and they've shot my son. Now, Interestingly enough, because of Jeff, I have a route to somebody who needed eyes outside the compound, and he's inside the compound. So I'm, I was able to, as, as you were talking, send him an email and say, hey, there's a kid outside the black gate of, of this applicant. Wait a second. I've already got a response. Um, and uh, This applicant, and he's outside the black gate, and um, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go out and get him. So, so much for that stinking idea. God damn it. Anyway, that's that's the situation as we see it right now. Chaos around around the gate. Other parts of the city are open and operating in a calm manner. Um, Franz Marty came on, as, uh, as, as you mentioned, he also has the article out saying that most of Afghanistan, people are open and going about their business as if nothing happened. So we shall see. All eyes are on Kabul. All right. Um, guys, uh, the operation side. Uh, what bro- what is broken squelch? Let me just couple a couple of more headlines. Um, uh, one Afghan guard has died after a firefight broke out at the Kabul International Airport between unidentified gunmen, U.S., German, and Afghan security guards. That, according to Reuters, according to a NATO diplomat, twenty people have died in the past seven days, which. Uh, Jeff and Will can talk about, which should be a surprise to nobody. CNN reports that the U.S. military is establishing, quote, alternative routes, close quote, to Kabul International Airport in coordination with the Taliban. Quote, there is a strong possibility the Islamic State group is trying to carry out an attack. Um, Timmy just talked about that. Uh, Taliban co-founder Mullah Bardar arrived in Kabul for talks with other leaders, Timmy spoke about that late last week. As they hammer out a new Afghan government under the group, that according to Reuters. And the U.S. Embassy has issued a security warning on Saturday. 
telling Americans in Afghanistan not to travel to the Kabul airport without individual instructions from U.S. government representatives. So that's kind of a little data dump of things that are out in the media. So, uh, Will, Jeff, operation stuff that uh, there's broken squelch for you guys? Yeah, I would. uh, So the first thing, the Civil Reserve Air Fleet, uh, it actually, it's a matrix organization. It doesn't exist in reality, but it's a program that the government has where they pay uh, airlines so that they can call on them at will to use their aircraft. So we activated it, I think, for Gulf War 91 because we had to fly a bunch of people, uh, you know, in to meet all the pre-position equipment, et cetera. So what the reserve, the Civil Reserve Air Fleet, this is just regular airplanes owned by United and Southwest and whoever takes the government's money while nothing's going on. And they're not going to be flying to Kabul. They're going to be doing the next leg. So as people are being activated, evacuated out of Kabul to all these other places. And there's a buildup of people in Doha or Dubai or Manas or wherever. Civil Reserve Air Fleet is taking those people out of there. Uh, So then you look at the numbers. I think uh, I've seen various numbers. One was 25,000 people to date to include 8,000 people on Sunday. So... Today's the 23rd, so we got eight more days to the 31st. If you do 8,000 people a day, that's 64,000 potential maximum number of evacuees coming out. Uh, Then I contrast that with the president saying we're going to take anybody and the secretary of defense saying we're going to try. There's a big gap there. Um, and then the last thing I would say about operations, you know, now they've been, the people on the ground have been at this for a week or so, and they're getting information dominance over everyone else. So the people in the White House, in the Pentagon, in CENTCOM, in UCOM, Uh, They've lost information dominance. The people on the ground, to include platoon commanders, company commanders, battalion commanders, uh, they know what's going on at the airport and in in the immediate environment. And it's very difficult to truly describe that to decision makers above you. And so I sense there's going to be some conflict in what senior people want to have happen that are 6,000 miles away, as opposed to people right on the ground there. And one of the things you see is, uh, uh, you know, this thing described as a firefight. Um, Not sure it was a firefight as opposed to what are the ROE? What are the rules of engagement? Do we have deadly force authorization if people hit a no pen line? out there and did someone push the no pen line and we shot them well can you can you you explain the no pen line well you know there's a we draw a red line and say don't go past this line or we're gonna in our rules of engagement we say deadly force is authorized for anyone who passes this line now 
you know, what happens if a woman and two kids hit the no pen line? Are we going to be shooting them? That's not what they want to see, right, in the White House and Pentagon and CENTCOM. And the guys on the ground, uh, they're, they're dealing with this mass of humanity in front of them. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a cesspool right outside the wire because what else could it be? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, you're into this thing where you have a routine, uh, but the reality from the, what people want you to do from above, oh, you got to get everyone out by the 31st. Or anything else, we need to screen people to this level. All those things are bumping up against what you know on the ground. And also, don't don't forget, our people are now, they're in a rhythm. I'm not sure what the, what the battle rhythm would be. It was a great rush to get there, right? You got called out, you deployed, now you've been there for a week, and it's really starting to suck. It's hot, it's miserable. It smells, uh, you're into that grind. And so how as a leader do you make sure people are focused when we actually don't know what we're doing? How long are we going to stay? How much humanity, how much inhumanity are we going to watch in front? You know, things are happening there in their minds. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. You know, and this August 31st, we the Taliban says we're going to be done. And the president has said uh, we're going to get everyone. Now we have mis- mission confusion out there. What do you call that? Order, counter order, disorder. Who knows? Oh, and by the way, you've actually got a plan for that last bit of the force to get out. Are you going to have to do it under pressure? Are you going to be able to just have people load up on the last C-17? But there's people doing that detailed planning right now. And that plan is something you're going to have to rehearse. Otherwise, it will be a disaster. So just a couple. Hey, of, I got a couple c- things. C- well, let mind. me just, Jeff, let me interject this. First of all, just so everybody knows, Will's mom is has, be, has become a devoted listener to this. So you've been warned. All right. Um, next. Does this thing go in phases? I mean, so the initial phase you talked about, Will, is, is – I don't mean the operation and how they phase it, but, I mean, just for, from our – so there's a, the initial kind of booming in phase with all the adrenaline and getting everything. Well, now we're past that, right? And now you're in this kind of middle phase where you're doing this thing. And then the third phase is the wind-it-down phase. And and so at some point, and after Jeff makes his – you know, his points, I'd like for you guys to talk about the the phases of this thing and then how it changes. And I would think, uh, I'd be curious what you have to say when it goes from phase two, right? That we do this and we have over a week to go and blah, 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 to we begin to execute phase three. And the people that are there begin to understand that we're not getting out and how that changes the dynamic and how this thing is, has more. So, Jeffrey, uh, you, and then then we'll come back to the whole phase thing. Okay. Well, first of all, I think that um, that, uh, that NEO that's being run there within the airport uh, environs is pretty much, they just use the uh, inherent right to self-defense. That's how we did every NEO I was in. And the only time it changes, and this is significant change, is if they authorize or direct 
Marine formations to go out and actually rescue people from different places within uh, Kabul and Afghanistan. I'll have to. The uh, otherwise. That you see that there, you take fire, you can return fire to that place without having to identify a person. Hey Jeff, your your uh, your signals break. You can do there in hey, regards to that. Jeff, your signals breaking up. So I don't know if you're near a window or near your router or or. No, I'm just. I I was muted for a long time. Maybe no, 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 no. It's the it, it's a, <laughs> it's the signal strength, not your phone getting warmed up. You want I, me to call back? I don't. I don't. I, not. Uh. Yeah, why don't you do this? We'll just uh, we'll allow Timmy to interject some humor into it, all right? And then Timmy will quote unquote fill while you recall. So yell when you're back. Yeah, you guys just sing Jody's till I come back. All right, there you go. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll see you in a minute. Just you know, Jeff, interesting. Jeff talks about what the ROE are inherent right to self defense. So if you have this mass of humanity in front of you and you take fire, where you know where's your beaten zone? It's out yeah. in that mass of humanity. Really? No, it doesn't. Are you are you talking about... No, you don't have to worry about that shit if somebody's shooting at you. Right. And, uh, you know, so... No, no, no. You, Will's point is that you have the right of self-defense, right? But we, yeah. we've all heard this phrase, first do no harm, right? And, yeah. and the optics of we received fire, we returned fire, we killed seven people, none of them shot at us is not the optics that you're looking for. No, well, yeah, if, I, and and which makes it to me that exact thing happened to me and uh and we did return fire the only restriction and you're right there'll be restrictions from above was like um we could retire return fire proportionally which is a, a sure way to never win if you're always proportionate but uh if you we're taking rounds from 762 by 39 and uh you know and pistol rounds and stuff like that so we return fire with 556 and uh, 762 machine gun, M60 machine gun rounds. We didn't go any higher than that except for 50 caliber sniper rounds. And we were, we were, you know, we were disallowed from using fragmentation producing ordnance. So that's, uh, you know, so and it, that was sufficient for us to be able to, uh, you know, take care of that threat. But uh, I think that's where this thing might go if it goes. And something else, too, like, you know, Will brought it up. And so did Timmy about where this thing has become routine, like in some ways to the folks that are in there and, and start the suffering of it in regards to hygiene. And, you know, you start to stink and you don't have clean uh, clothes and the water it's hot as hell and so forth. But at the same time, their, their, the relationships they have with the Taliban representatives, you know, get a little bit more matured. So there's some parts that actually become a little smoother. The thing that's confusing about Afghanistan is the stuff Timmy brought up about uh, on one hand, you got like places like their ungoverned spaces run by formations, apparently other than the Taliban, like the Panjshir Valley and up there in Baglan province and so forth. And then you also have reports about these uniformed people, you know, who are apparently uh, on our side, so to speak, you know, in the environs there at the airport. I have to say um, the, U.S. Uh, State Department will will uh, it will contract people that they put in uniforms around uh, diplomatic 
you know, entities around embassies and stuff like that. A lot of times they have American or European uh, supervisors. In Liberia, we had the intercon guards and they had uniforms after a fashion. They didn't have firearms. And they're, the head guy running them was Hirsch Hernandez, which you guys remember, might remember him as the guy who used to come and talk to lieutenants that I see about being a um, counter-narcotics advisor down in South America. And he was there. And that was a valuable source of uh, kind of like in-between intel about what was going on. So I don't know if that's what they're talking. And also the, the thing was, when, if it gets too bad, we're going to evacuate you and your families, you security folks, along with everybody else. In our case, it was to Sierra Leone and then to Dakar, where the big planes would take them other places. Uh, and I don't know what Will did, because this place we used as a sanctuary, Sierra Leone, went to shit when he and he was uh, that's where he was doing his evacuation a couple of years later. So, uh, you know, you know, that's a factor in regards, to that, uh, in regards to that airline thing you're talking about. Most neos in history and partial neos and so forth are done in exactly that way. They'll get people to the airport. This plan will land and stuff a bunch of people on, and they'll go, and the embassy will stay there with either a skeleton or a reduced staff. And then later on, the emergency goes away, and people got to pay their own way to get back in if they had jobs in the country. You know, so that's my experience in regards to that. The big thing I'm, you know, I'm wondering about is uh, those, those, uh, the Taliban. Even though it seems like our government has just totally surrendered all of Afghanistan to the Taliban. I don't think all of Afghanistan considers that to be, you know, uh, true. And so that's the interesting part of this, I think. Hey, hey, can I can I add that uh, the American embassy. The, am I muted? No, I'm, I'm not muted, am I? No. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The uh, American embassy guard force, the one that's the civilian one that took over for the Marines was headed by myself just hurt my feelings, not acknowledging that. So the American embassy, those uniform guys outside that Kabul Air Force, they're not the embassy guard force. The, the embassy guard force is a, is a expats in, in Nepalese, last I checked. And there's not that many of them anymore because they blew up their man. Give me a break. I'm old, man. I forget shit. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. No worries at all. But uh, this Hey, this he's, he's been wounded. Okay, Timmy, back yeah, the fuck I, off, I, man. I know. I'm, I'm, He's got I, I the should... fucking ultimate visa card for any behavioral distortion that he has. Like, hey, <laughs> I got my shit blown up. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to stipulate that. Yeah, the guys outside the wire there are, are former Afghan security. They're not the guard force from the embassy who have a limited capability. All right, uh, let's talk think, about. Think, let... uh, think how you do IFF now as well. How do you do identify friends? Exactly. Exactly. Right? I, you know, you've seen Taliban. Wearing uniforms, you know, doing the mocking the Iwo Jima flag raising thing. So what are your? You know what? what? I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't. I didn't like that. Yeah. Okay. But but it is. It's something though that anybody outside the wire wearing any kind of uniform cannot be credited as being a potential friendly. I don't think. Yeah, that thing, that incident, that's why God invented fuel air explosive, if you ask me. It, it, but there's but there's one other thing, too, and that is, I mentioned this, I think, at the very start of this crisis, that if the Taliban wants to interfere with us, they'll do so behind 15,000 civilians in front of them. I, I, know, I know Jeff's Liberia experience, I don't think that the volume of civilians were as great as you will see here. 
there's not a way in hell you can start raking them with machine gun fire. Right. Absolutely. Right, yeah. I, can we talk about the phase, the phases and, 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 you know, you guys' experience. So there's the booming in phase, there's the, you know, we're evacuating people phase. And then there's the phase where you're trying to get your own ass out of there. Um, how does life change? Um, not only internally, but, but externally, because they understand those things too. Uh, Will, Jeff, how, how does the kind of the th- the phases of this uh, make, make the surrounding uh, environment change? And, you know, what is that like internally? You know, Sierra Leone was interesting because, again, we were actually in uh, Brazzaville, Congo. We were going to evacuate Kinshasa. And, you know, you look at the map, it doesn't look very far away, but it's like a long ways. Uh, we didn't have to evacuate Kinshasa, so we backloaded. And we've been at the airport in Brazzaville for 10, 12, 14 days. So we got back to the ship. And literally, we still had people from the Mew on the ground in Point Noir, I think it was, when Sierra Leone goes bad. So now we're underway for a couple of days. We go to Sierra Leone, and we think this is a one-day operation. Go in, land, evacuate people, go back to the ship. So we had everything at the same time. The whole rush to get in, strange environment, other uniformed people, the the gate was chaos and it was calm. It was bizarre. And we lined people up to the point, the initial ones, we had everybody with their little, uh, you know, head protector, the helicopter and their, you know, the rubber duck uh, life preserver all lined up and properly put on. And we took about 800 people out. And then we had to go through the whole shrink the perimeter, the last few helicopters, you know, we get back to the ship and it was, uh, you know, it was like high five kind of thing. Hey, we did this thing. Nobody got hurt. We took everyone out. The next day, day two, someone calls and says, hey, you didn't pick, pick these people up. And we said, yeah, we know. We didn't pick a lot of people up. So now we got to go back. So we go back on day two. It's not as much fun. You're going back to the same place, doing the same thing. Uh you take out a very few selected people and we go back to the ship. Okay, now we're done. That's day three. Day four, big firefight. People are stuck in this hotel and they say you're going back again. And now it's like, God damn it. You people have no idea what you're talking about up there. So we do the plan significantly different. Instead of flying in by helicopter with about 120 people, we brought 300 and something Marines ashore, LCACs. We had LAVs, up, you know, up-gun Humvees, uh, set up a mortar platoon. Uh, and we were right across from the old Ministry of Defense. So we knew they could see us. Uh, and then, because we actually were smarter than the people guiding us, I said, I'm never coming back to this place again. Anyone who sniffs like they want to leave is getting thrown on a helicopter and getting out of here. So we took 1,200 people out that last day. Shrinking that perimeter was much hairier because we'd taken a lot more people and we had to backload LCACs. Uh, and that was uh, that was sort of an unpleasant feeling for me because I, I could not be on the last helicopter out. I was in Battalion 3. Me and my battalion commander were always the last ones on the ground. Uh, 
so we got up and we had to hover for a while uh, doing circles, watching the last LCAT get out, get out to the ship. We'd taken over 300 Marines ashore by helicopter and by LCAC, so making sure we had accountability when we got back to the ship. Uh, and then I got my ass chewed a little bit because we took too many people out. But it was, the, uh, hey, fuck you, if you're smarter than me. Took too many people in terms of refugees or that yeah. you took too many yeah. Marines in that day? No, 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 no. We, we got, when we went in the first time, we got the small footprint. Right. The second time, the small footprint. The third time, there was an active firefight going on, which we eventually did not get involved in. But we had insisted then, we're done with a small footprint thing. We got in trouble when we went back because so many people that we took out were just Joe Blow walking down the street who didn't want to be there anymore. I said, put him on a helicopter. So, so Will, we were, did you guys, uh, did you evacuate the embassy staff too? Yeah, yeah. So the we embassy staff have... went out on day one. They were on the ship. And then the the ambassador was not in the country then. So the consular general was in charge. Yeah, the charge. Yeah, she was a very nice old lady who you wouldn't mind having tea with, but she was inca- incapable of making decisions. But she would go ashore every day and attempt to decide, literally, look at every person, say they can go and can't go. And yeah. finally, we just overrode her. Um, so that's the thing about, about Neos. It can go like that, where they say, you know, take us out and anybody else who wants to go. Or when the Marines show up, the situation calms somewhat, and they don't want to, like, when we did Liberia, the embassy never left. And the reason they didn't leave is because they felt safe with us in there. So it ended up, it's going to be, a, you know, a, an episodic, uh, you know, uh, non-combatant evacuation operation in the summer of 90 turned into six months of being in Liberia. Yeah, we, we actually never went to the embassy. The embassy was in Freetown. We, we were at a hotel that was out on the beach because the embassy had been destroyed by that time. So they were out there uh, on the beach. And it, it was interesting dealing with the State Department because they're in charge until the point comes, it's obvious they're not in charge. And then it was company commander on the gate, battalion three, battalion commander deciding you go, you don't go. Uh, and we just, we took everyone. And again, yeah, I doubt all these people out. come. And I said, because the ship is not gonna sink. We can put all these people on the ship and they were getting flown to the ship and then they were getting flown to Conakry, Guinea the same day. The ship's not going to sink. We can put plenty of people out here and I'm never going back to this place again because you told me, oh, you forgot this guy. So it, 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 I, I don't know if there is a typical Neo. Right. No. Sierra Leone was very different than Liberia, even though they're close together. Very different experiences. Very different experience mine from what's going on in kabul right now i would say what's going on in kabul is more analogous to what jeff did hey jeff he, jeff let me so at the end of your the six months did you turn over did you rip with somebody else or did yeah did, did the neo conclude did. and you, you i was the i was the last uh, fleet marine out of uh the embassy in monrovia and we turned over with uh fast company 55 guys heavily armed and uh, they it's they stayed there, um, you know, one form or fashion all the way up till the uh, things calmed down a little bit. I guess they pulled most of them out, and then the thing heated back up again in '96, and the uh, 
uh, in Liberia, and we ended up doing the exact same thing again. This time I'm a company commander in 2-2 instead of uh, company XO in 3-8. Uh, in and then the, the, the forces that were the, our, the threat against us eventually evolved into the rough, R-U-F. And those are the guys that caused the, uh, the embassy, in, and they spread to other countries in West Africa there. And that's, they ultimately became the reason Will and those guys in his MU had to do their evacuation. Jeff, talk about the, you know, if we could, if we could just block this thing in three phases, right? There's the booming in phase, there's the conduct the operations phase, and then there's the we're, we're getting out of town phase um how did that change what was that like for you in terms of not only your own operations but the environment around uh that surrounded you because that's what we're watching right so the the airport thing you know there's a routine guys are now starting to think about you know when as will talked about you know you have a percentage that are out there doing security you have a percentage that are doing actually doing working parties and shit because there's a whole bunch of other shit that has to get done to support this stuff, and then there's guys sleeping, uh, du- duty platoon, if you will, in that shape or form. Now you're looking at they told us to bring four sets of camis, right? I'm already into my second pair, right? And now you have gun- gunnies looking around for a 55 gallon drum and a source of water where guys could just dunk a pair of utilities, shake them around, right, and then dry them I, out. I mean, shit like that, right? All right, this thing's going to go for I, a while. That's a good question. I think it's roughly three phases, right? The first getting in there phase and starting. The second phase is the routinalization or normalization. I mean, I don't know if it's the right word to use. No, I think, you just, ma- I think you just made going. one up. You made one up. I love yeah. that. Routinalization. And then the last one is the withdrawal. And I think that uh, right now they're between phase one and phase between getting in there and everybody's emotions are up. Both uh, think about the Taliban. They just, they I think a lot of them are surprised by being in charge as we are by them getting in there because uh, it happened fast, you know. And um, and and Timmy's reporting uh, kind of sheds a little bit of light on this. Um, that guy Franz Marty is saying most of the rest of Kabul is surprisingly normal. So I think when the fix came in for this over, you know, the, this transfer of power, if you will, that uh, a lot of business people were told in a convincing way that you can stay in there and continue to do business. And so consequently, I wouldn't be surprised there's still portage on people in there. If there's still, you know, people delivering bottles of water, I'm seeing Marine, you know, that we're not having to fly in. And there's a lot of things like that that would make, those uh, housekeeping issues that can become very, very serious, like your your hygiene and shit like that, right. that we can actually take advantage of. And the longer you stay in there, the more it gets that way. So I think we're between that phase right now, and it will never be totally normalized because of the nature of the uh, of the beast that's in there. First of all, because it's Afghanistan, it's a it's a very primitive place. Second of all, because uh, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of stakeholders in there who are have who have guns. There's the Taliban, and then we're always we're hearing you know with greater frequency these references to ISIS, and ISIS and the Taliban, even though they roughly have the same philosophy, they're at odds with each other. So that might mean you know we got uh, we got like almost like a Beirutization of uh, of the situation there in Kabul, where there's a 
there's different sides. Like in, in Lebanon, you had the Christian phalanges, you had the PLO, you had the fucking, uh, you know, the uh, Shiite, um, you know, militias and so forth. And you had the Hezbollah and you had the American Marines and you had the Israelis. So you can have like a six sided firefight in theory, you know, and I think we're coming to similar dangers there that probably won't get manifested, uh, you know, for another week or so. I mean, or it could be today as I'm running my big mouth, you know, they could be training fucking automatic weapons fire right now. <laughs> you know what? That's the second word you've made up in, in that little soliloquy, which was the Beirutization of uh, I love that stuff. The. Um, <laughs> Um, it's because I don't have a very good vocabulary. I have to make up non-words. No, it's a sign of a, a truly a higher form of intellect, or somebody who's been blown up a few times. The um, <laughs> take take your take your fucking pick, right? Um, the um, but I, I want to talk about ISIS for a second because you know we see this, and I thought, you know, in I was only in Afghanistan for a year, but I thought the biggest difference between Iraq and Afghanistan was. That in Iraq, anything you did from moving to um, doing a medical uh, clinic for women that we did in Karma in 2006, uh, I think with 1 1, with, with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Furness, um, everything you did, your, your stomach was essentially in a knot because of the threat of suicide bombing. It happened so often, and they were so good at it, right? How to get them close to you, how to manage these people that they had, you know, they had essentially bred to do this, how they handled them, all of that. That was largely absent in uh, in my time in Afghanistan, to, uh, and to the point where we got warnings and indications that there was one in the area, and we actually found the son of a bitch in Marja. And they chased him down, and the the Afghans chased him down and shot him, and he blew himself up or half blew himself up. I mean, so it was it was it 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 largely is non-existent. Um, so I, I, could you paint a picture of this this the ISIS Taliban uh, kind of conflict and and uh, and how because again, um, if you look at and and to me it's not surprising that life is normal in Afghanistan, right? Because the Taliban don't—they they don't have the ass to rule Afghanistan, right? They can ball up on some Afghan, you know, security forces, and who don't really want to fight and die for something they don't believe in. They can do that, but when it comes to taking over the country, they don't have enough people. They don't have enough people. Could you imagine those son of a bitches that got sent to the airport, right? Ahmad, right? This is Tim Lynch. What's going on, uh, Tim? We don't know. There's there's a billion people here. I've got my I've got my forty guys. Right? We're scared shitless. Okay. We're trying to find food and we're doing that. And so and so's family lives in the area and they've helped us out a little bit. But I mean, I imagine them trying to like act like they control shit when they just don't have enough people. So paint a picture of um so to me none of that's surprising that Franz Marty would post that and say yeah well they of course they don't have the ass to to impose their will yet right civilian administrators will do that uh but talk about uh all of you guys talk about ISIS and and the Taliban in Afghanistan and 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 make sense of that for people Timmy okay. well Timmy let me, Timmy should let go me. first cuz Timmy Timmy talk about Turkey 
about Kyber Pass. He talked about Spin Boldak. I mean, that's an indicator right there of uh, that the you know that there's been talking between the Taliban and other folks. So, what do you think about that, Tim? The fact that those are open because under the Taliban in the '90s, it was closed. Yeah, well, it, it, I, it it's what Mac was saying uh, about consolidating their uh, their control over territory. They're going to have problems now. The, the ISIS in Afghanistan are Pakistani Taliban chased out of the Khyber Agency by the Pakistani army in 2014 through an operation Khyber 1 and Khyber 2. They moved into um, uh, the very border areas, the mountainous areas of Nagahar, asked the locals for uh, the ability to stay and settle there because they were being persecuted. And for years, although heavily armed, they never molested the Afghan security forces, never molested the Taliban, and uh, things were cool until one day they did. And they took over Achin, Achin District in Nangarhar province, famous for a lot of things, uh, unlimited supply of talc powder being one of them. It's where one of the principal talc mines in the world. They took over the Achin, Achin District and started brief, uh, fighting the uh, Afghan security forces, and they started aggressively using suicide bombers. My friend Z, if you will recall a year ago, was blown up on the grandstand of an of a Afghan country cricket match because he was a team captain um, by ISIS who were targeting him specifically. The ISIS has been very aggressive at targeting Afghans who they disagree with. Now, in 2016... A Chin district, the first time, my first experience as an election fraudster in 2009. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. No, in 2016, the Taliban massed and drove them out. The entire district went into an uprising. The Taliban drove them back across Pakistan. Then they melted away, and uh, but the ISIS have infiltrated back in, and they're now firmly established in in a few districts in Jalalabad, excuse me, in Nagarhar province, and in the Korangal Valley of all places, where they are actually stripped. I uh, actually strip cutting the uh, the ancient uh, trees up there. It's something the uh, Taliban never did. So the the ISIS and Taliban have been fighting since since 2016, when they when they liberated the Polacharki prison. Taliban now just last week, they dragged out the chief ISIS guy and shot him in the head. I don't think they're gonna give ISIS any ability to do anything but go back home and shut up. Quite frankly, so you would say. That that threat around generally around the airport. Um, not, not I do not believe for it, it. It would it it could be, but how weird would that be when the when the Taliban and ISIS have been in? I mean, they have been at each other's throat for six seven years now. Why why would they allow ISIS free reign now? It's their country. ISIS is as big a threat to to them, I would think, as an independent act, actor, as a Northern Alliance or any of those other anti-Taliban entities. Got it. So ISIS is not, and Taliban are not friends. Got it. Al-Qaeda, there's plenty of them there. They're friends, but that's a different story. Al-Qaeda is friends with? Taliban. Taliban. Got it. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they've been, been in there the whole time, uh, but, but not in significant numbers. Something President Biden, it was actually true, what he said. They're not in significant numbers. But they were running a gigantic uh, training camp down in the deserts of Kandahar, when was it? Twenty eighteen, I think. Uh, right. The, the right. Rangers and, and Delta went out and whacked those, killed like hundreds. Right. I mean, it was a massive, massive operation. Right. 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 So that was that was all Al Qaeda, apparently. Got and it. and uh, so who knows what their capabilities are? Got it, Jeff. Any any thoughts on uh, on on ISIS and the Taliban? 
Well, that's, you know, yeah, Timmy's, that's good info that he just gave. But I would just say this, you know, uh, the ISIS, all they need to do is get in there and uh, some Marine is, you know, taking a baby over the barbed wire and the guy puts a couple rounds in a Marine's face. We don't, there doesn't need to be a big or successful threat. Just need to be something that amps up, you know, uh, the, uh, the uh, public perception of the thing. So, I mean, that's what I mean when I say uh, I don't think they're going to seize control of territory, but they could commit some terrorist act. You were talking about suicide bombers. That's another big thing, you know, that you might see a guy with a vest, you know, detonate himself right there at uh, one of those ECPs, entry control points. And then that's uh, that changes the whole media narrative of this thing. Right now, they're pretty much saying, you know, that they would love to talk about uh, gunfights between Marines and soldiers, U.S. soldiers and um, ISIS and the Taliban. But uh, there's really no Timmy says over and over what he's hearing. There is no gunfights really between us and them. But if something happened, that would change. The, they wouldn't they would not be you know, inclined towards accurate nuance about the difference between a couple of isolated ISIS guys and the massive Taliban that dominates the area. If, if, if what I heard is true about that firefight in that it was two infiltrators dropped on the other side of the wall by, a, by one of our a de- designated marksmen, those two could have been exactly what Jeff is talking about. It doesn't take much to do, it's not going to take much to make this thing come off the wheels and f- for all we know. And, and please, this is strictly conjecture on our part. I'm, I'm just saying. Well, again, with the, the focus of the world, right, on this airport, mm-hmm. right, What if you were looking to leave your mark, you would find, all right, where am I going to get the most cameras? Where is the most impact? And, again, we just a little, you know, anecdote. You saw what happened to that video of that Marine pulling that baby over that wall. What, I mean, that was around the world literally in, in minutes. Mm-hmm. Minutes, right? So the opportunity that our terrorist organization has, right, to throw our card on the table, just to announce that we will be a player in these situations is, is not small. And, and again, it doesn't need to be that much. Um, you know, it could be guys going over the wall with weapons. Um, and then... Uh, you know, and then taking on Americans inside and or Afghans or, or leaving their mark. So, hey, can I uh, can I add a little bit of uh, um, of unintended consequences? I, I said on Saturday I had to apologize to our audience because I've been saying for days I've got all these visa applicants with these notifications they got from the State Department, but it wasn't until Saturday morning I started filing these notifications down and recording the time when I noticed that every one of them was a screenshot of the same notification. In other words, that thing had been shared within that crowd. There's probably 10,000 people with a notification on their phone. That's what happens. That's the unintended consequences of using that methodology. Not difficult to discern at the gate because it doesn't scroll. It's a screenshot, but that's what happens, right? So yesterday we see babies who are near death being handed over the uh, wire and then their parents being pulled up over the wire. How We're going to see now a lot more babies who are going to be brought up to the wire in uh, in, in near death state so they could get over the wire. That's going to happen. It, it, and it could happen on a grand scale, which means we're going to have to push the crowd further back. Or this, or every time somebody comes near the wire, they're going to have a half-dead kid. And so what, Because they're desperate. They're right. desperate. They're trying to get out. Right. What you're saying is that if that's the currency of the realm, 
right? Then we'll deal in that currency, which is children. You know, and and, and again, absolutely, they will. Again, we're seeing that on the on our own border, right? That's exactly what they're doing over right? here. Is it, I, right? Is it right? What gets me across is this kid, and and do I know the kid? No, I don't have a relationship with the kid. Somebody brokered that deal. And uh, right. Board, so, the Border Patrol will recognize the kid. Right. They know who they are because right. 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 they see him every week. Got yeah. it. You know, uh, just talking about Taliban in Kabul and what's going on in Kabul and Kabul looks normal. So I just pulled up the stats. Kabul is about the same size population wise as the greater Phoenix area. Uh, the Phoenix city, which is which does not police the entire Phoenix metro area, the Phoenix Police Department is on the order of 3,000 people. Uh, so they're just doing the downtown city of Phoenix. So you figure there's probably four to 5,000 cops in that greater Phoenix metro area. How many Taliban are out on the street, you know, being policemen per se? I don't think that there's four or 5,000 in Kabul. And so the idea that there's ungoverned parts of Kabul or routine parts of Kabul going on, it shouldn't surprise you. And then I sense also there's still criminal gangs in Kabul that have nothing to do with the Taliban. And they're likely seizing this opportunity as well. So there's going to be ungoverned whatnot going on around there. And you're going to, you know, the, the camera is beautiful. Because some of them say, how can this isn't chaos? We didn't have to leave. And they'll show this perfectly calm neighborhood in Kabul. Uh, and then you'll see the chaos going on at the airport. So, well, And if you remember when Iraq fell, you remember all the like art that got looted. And, you know, all of a sudden, as, as Will was just articulating, because um, if you haven't noticed, Jeff makes up words, Will articulates. So um, he's a Naval Academy guy. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, things like the criminals that look around and go, all right, boys, this is a, this is another, just another business opportunity courtesy of the Americans. God bless those people. No wonder they do so well financially because they just do nothing but create for us money-making opportunities. 20 years of war, nothing but money. Now, as they leave, we're going to go ransack different places right in the city and nobody's going to do shit to us right more money to be made all right let's go so anyway all right final thoughts uh tim the longer this goes on the more uh, the, the greater the chances of having some type of incident and uh but we still have not gotten to the point where we're getting siv applicants through in any kind of considerable numbers i will say that the process has picked up uh, steam with the opening of a separate task force that's screening Afghan applicants. My flash to bang from sending in a package to get it notified that it's all good to go is about three, four hours. That's impressive. But none of these guys are getting through the gate. Uh, my guy with the son that got shot at the opening of the store at the show, he's he's still there's nobody apparently is, has the ability to go out and get him. And he says he can't get anywhere near the wall now. So he, I, I don't, I, I, you know, this is, there's going to be tragedies like this. uh, um, There's going to be enough tragedies like, like this to drive us into doing something stupid, like, like pushing our luck. And I'm, 
I'm, I just hope I, I hope it doesn't happen that way. I hope but, I'm wrong. But the State Department saying don't come until we give you instructions on how to get there and that they're opening up uh, secondary, alternate, and, and supplementary routes. Those are, with, t- those are technical with, machine gun positions uh, in case you don't know. Timmy, right, who's notorious yeah. for his machine gun accomplishments on Range 7, understands them. I, I believe Will the, might. the proper descriptor was prowess, his machine gun prowess. <laughs> But, but you're, but you see, you're right. I misspoke. That is in cooperation with the Taliban. You're so, right. when in cooperation, we're going to set all this up. We should not make it in cooperation with the Taliban. We can, with what we have right now, say, step aside. This is what we're going to do. Don't fool with us because we're not playing around. And if you do, we're shooting you in the face. And we could, Kabul is a big place, but it's a bowl. It's a bowl. It is. Not it. We are in a position right now, I think, to enforce a little bit of moral superiority and dictate terms as we willingly withdraw our people. I I do not believe for a second the Taliban would mistakenly think they can go toe to toe with the forces we have on the deck, let alone what we could bring in and uh, do anything but die. No, it's what they do worse. Um, uh, This also in the last uh, hour and, and you've seen these kind of spot reports, but France um, and, and I believe Germany came out and said this, sees the need to continue the Afghan evacuations beyond August 31st, according to their foreign minister. Um, so you're, you're, you're hearing that. Now, will that be done by NGOs? Will we extend the deadline? Uh, Biden administration in, uh, will, well, at some point we'll have to answer that question, saying that are we, and because the Taliban have said, as you mentioned earlier, right? Yeah, there will be no extension beyond August 31st. Yeah, and and you have to keep in mind there are thousands and thousands of German passport holders in Afghanistan. Uh, The Afghans and the German people have had a very, very close relationship since before World War II when they sent scientists over to examine their Aryan lineage. Hitler was fascinated by them. And that has actually, and you can find all kinds of German weapons on for sale in the black markets, but there's a lot, a lot of German citizens up there, a lot. And so that is why they're interested. France is just France. They're kind of, you know, they, they're doing what France does, which is watching out for France and good on them. But I, I, I just, I passed October, August 31st, you know, negotiating with the Taliban. We're in a position we don't have to negotiate right now. We don't have to. And I wish we weren't. Got it. Uh, Never take counsel in your fears. All right. Will, final thought? Yeah, August 31st, uh, you know, that was that was our self-imposed deadline a month or so ago. And then it's now become the Taliban imposed deadline on us versus what the president has said yesterday that we are going to get all the Americans out versus what the Secretary of Defense said is we are going to try to get all the Americans out. And, um, you know, as far as the Germans uh, and the French are concerned, they can go fuck themselves for all I care. Uh, if they are worried about getting their people out, then send a force in Wait there a with a purpose. Wait a minute. Equipment. Back to truck up. Your mother's listening. I got it. Uh, but I would say... Go that's it to Pat. That's it for Pat. In. I got it. I... Go bring your own forces in with your own rules of engagement, or perhaps we should use the German and French rules of engagement from the last twenty years. You can't go outside the wire. You can't go out at night, etc., etc., etc. And see how they like that. 
So as a point of historical accuracy, the French fought very well in their after after their initial bloody and and were and were damn aggressive, very aggressive. I'm. The, the French would never what shoot at you. What are you talking about? In the U.S. Revolution, the French... No, yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm talking about well, Afghanistan. Well, where do you th- I'm talking Come about on. Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. I thought we were talking Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, the yeah, French fought very well. Wardak and, uh, guys, in, guys in Wardak, the French guys in Wardak... And, yeah, uh, they they're, fought they're, fine. They're, yeah, they're better than the fucking Germans, that's for sure. There you go. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, August 31st, It's in, it will be interesting for the guy on the ground because right now... Are the CENTCOM planners and the people on the ground putting in a plan that says the last Americans off that airport on August 31st, when does that plan start? You've got to flow aircraft, et cetera, to do it. Or is that now an on-order plan that when someone in the White House says go, now we do that? So we're introducing confusion. Uh, yeah. President did not do the guy on the ground any favors yesterday. And Pat, on behalf of uh, the entire administration here at All Marine Radio, I want to apologize for your son's language. It's he he knows it's something. He, I, and and I warned him all too. You heard me warn him at the start of the program. But oh no, he's just got to go there. Nice, Will. Um, Je- Jeffrey, notice Jeffrey's code for yeah, I mean, Je- Jeffrey's code because that's what his mother calls him, right? Reminding yeah, him that there are people listening. When she says Jeffrey, it means stand by for ass chewing. Stand by for course correction. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, besides the, I'm waiting for, you know, kind of like worry that uh, there's going to be some kind of thing where Marine gets killed or a couple Marines get killed or soldier, and it turns into a big, like you have Jeff Kenny of 1987 or 88, you know, in his platoon. Right. Two guys get hit. Um you know, there's a drenching of the enemy area with uh, with gunfire, and then we got a problem. So there's that. That's just routine for all of us whenever Marines are in a precarious situation like this. But the the thing I'm interested in, I'm really interested in, is uh, and I'm hoping you get a guy like uh, Sebastian Younger, my favorite journalist, would go into a place like the Panchir Valley, like he did in uh, you know, like 2001, right before Masood was assassinated, and actually try and find out. What's the nature of these guys in there? What's what exactly? What's what in Afghanistan? You know what I mean? And, and we don't really seem to have journalists like that guy anymore. You know who would go in there and uh, and do that? Who doesn't? You won't have, have a lot of support, and the only security you'll have will be from the gun, the you know the gun souls that are in uh, in that area. And I'd like to get uh, you know some good hardcore reporting from a guy like that. You know the Ernest Hemingway of uh, of uh, two thousand twenty one. Franz Marty. Tim? There you go. Tim, talk there, to Franz. There are Americans. There. there are Americans. I know a couple have reached out to me asking how they could get there. There are people heading to Uzbekistan with the intention of getting into the Panjshir Valley and fighting. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying there's been more than a few people have uh, are, are talking about this. And I hope it just is talk because that's, uh, I don't know. You know, that's a hell of a commitment. A final, final comment on um, on what those districts, right, north of Kabul, is that an indication of the future as, you know, the Taliban have taken over, 
But then the searches started, and hey, boys, we've been here before. We've done this. We're not fucking doing this. So, what? What? As as we kind of get out the door, what do you what do you all make of that? The uh, the significance is because Timmy, if has... you will, that's the locals saying, "Yeah, we're not doing this. We didn't do it last time. The... We're not doing it this time." But the last time in those areas that the Taliban controlled, they went door to door and confiscated weapons. The only guys that had weapons back then were the Panjshiris because they never made it and penetrated into their their place. But they they didn't have a lot. You you, you see what I'm saying? So Uh in the areas where the Taliban has not cracked down and taken everybody's weapons away and made possession of a weapon some kind of a of a uh, capital crime punishment type of deal. This is going to happen repeatedly when they the locals feel they are being uh, treated uh, with that without proper respect and uh, or in an unfair manner. Because remember, the face of the Taliban, as I mentioned, every time they approach me, always mullahs out front, and the mullahs are all about the people and misjustice and stuff like that. Mullahs are supposed to rally against that, and uh, um, that's exactly what's happening. I would say in those three districts, you've got people that are. That are, that are not going to accept whatever it was the Taliban was trying, trying to sell them. And the mullah said, send them out, and off they go. Got and it. we will see more of that unless the Taliban is able to disarm the population. If, if they don't do that, they'll face this continuously. Jeff Will, any thoughts? Yeah, you would think that, that the people that have been anti-Taliban doesn't necessarily make them pro-U.S., but anti-Taliban over the years are not going to be convinced by any sort of Taliban charm offensive that's gone on. And there, I think everyone had an opportunity to to uh, to uh, increase the capability of their armory in the last month or so, and you can bet that those guys did as well. Uh, so, and then and then the Taliban as well. Um, to own the whole country. Is it going to be worth fighting these guys who've been their dread enemies for 30 years? I don't know. I, I don't know how to calculate that. Got it. Got it. Jeff, any thoughts on that? No, I'm uh, again, just like I said, I'm kind of like, I don't know which way the mop's going to flop on this one. But, uh, you know, the uh, I'm anxious to see what happens with all this. Uh, if it, uh, Say what you want about Afghanistan, it's never boring. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. But I am interested in those in the Baglan districts, the the Panjshir Valley, those uh think those areas in central Afghanistan to be mentioned where the Hazara are, you know, have a dominant population. I'm interested to see, you know, how this shakes out, and you can and you can bet there's a lot of other people interested in it too. That, that Hazara heartland is where the minerals are. All that talk about the mineral wealth in the country, it's there. And, you know, a final thought about, uh, you know, when you guys talk about the art, rules of engagement, the ROE as we, as it's known, uh, Phil Smith gave me the rules of engagement that existed in Beirut uh, when they landed. Um, and and he, he found a copy that existed before the building was blown up. It's ridiculous, right? And, you know... The American and NATO forces that are that are at that airport, you're really in an impossible situation. You are surrounded by humanity, and and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to kill innocent people. At the same time, that that chaos that surrounds the airport is the 
is what allows somebody to get close to you and kill you. So if you're in any position of authority, you don't sleep well at night, right? You know, with your with your intelligence officers, right? And you know, and monitoring the 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 chatter around, you know, you and the drones that you guys look at, you know, that that are there were constantly with us wherever we go, and just your stomach in a knot about the op the abundant opportunities that people are going to have to get close to us and, and, and people in a vulnerable spot and every day they're there, right? Those, uh, those opportunities, those odds get greater that something's going to happen. And so it just leaves your stomach in a knot. So anyway, um, thank you very much, man. And, uh, man. have a great day. Yeah. You too, man. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks guys. Good talking. That'll do it on a Monday. Thanks for listening. Uh, as I said, if you have any questions, send them to live at allmarineradio at gmail.com, and we'll do our best to answer them, as, as we try to do uh, on a daily basis. So um, my thanks to Will, Jeff, and Tim for coming on and doing this, and uh, my thanks to, to you all for listening. So have a great day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And... Uh, Again, keep everybody who's doing this operation in your prayers. And uh, they're in a precarious position doing, um, you know, doing good things. And uh, our experiences are sometimes that doesn't work out well. Um, But it's what the military does. So anyway, on that note, have a great day. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Main Radio. We'll see you tomorrow.